0: You feel all right? I feel great. You look great.
1: Can you hear me blushing on this? <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> Welcome to Happy Tears. Where you go, and I go, ah. Huh.
0: <laughs> That's a good representation of Happy Tears, right? Uh, yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) so this is happy tears we are two friends who are sensitive boys who love art and pop culture and sometimes cry tears of joy because we love it so much and that's why we're sitting here talking in a room today (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) did that work i think that's great oh great (laughs) brandon yes sir hey buddy what's up nick how are you dude i'm ready to do this thing so today we're going to talk about The National's new album and short film that came out around the same time, as well as the Before Sunset. See, I always do in the wrong order. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight, Richard Linklater Trilogy. Both of which are new to me. One of them's just a new release, but I had never seen those films up until about a month ago when I watched them at your insistence. Heavy insistence. You, it was heavy insistence, but it was well, well worth it. Um, what else is going on in your life? What are you doing these days?
1: Oh man, I tried to fit in before work and after work the uh, new Freddie Gibbs and Madlib album that came out today. Madlib is kind of known for a lot of his uh, collaboration with rappers. He also raps himself, but he's a producer. And their last album was uh, was great. Had a lot of character and uh, was super unique. And then this is like round two of collaborating for them. So it's called Bandana and i'm not done with it yet i think i have a couple songs left
0: you like it so far
1: yeah i would say yeah i mostly like it It. i don't know the collaboration has a, the same sort of feel as the the first one does and same sort of energy but i would say that the i mean they try some new things on it and that's yeah it's pretty cool
0: when you listen to new music do you go off first impressions how do you know if you like it
1: it definitely takes more than more than one listen i go through albums quite a few times and also i think about all the ways that i actually consume the album so give it a headphones listen give it a room listen give it a car listen oh you're so thorough some things i feel like are meant for certain spaces a little more so if there's a night, you know an album that works really well as a nighttime
0: headphone listen then um, that's what i'm going for speaking of you being thoughtful and thorough and intentional yeah on the other side of the spectrum, there's me who, uh, Come on, man. I listened to Daniel Caesars. New, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was it's an gonna, EP or something. Yeah. yeah I was going to mention that songs. too. It was
1: a surprise thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listened to it on the treadmill earlier cool. today. I love that as well. I like it just because I need to listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts on the treadmill, but yeah. like, I am pretty bad about not putting myself in a headspace where I can really connect with an album because I'm focused on running or you know like do or like or lifting or or yeah you know, like, it, it, sometimes I'm working right you know I do video and photo editing or shooting or whatever so I feel as though I should be more intentional when I yeah experience something and new. I
1: don't get to I mean I guess I get frustrated not being able to do that for different albums and then especially on weeks like this week I had several releases that I'm that I was excited for. And then something comes up like the Daniel Caesar thing and I'm a surprise release. So I've got to fit that in somehow too. But I, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I have heard one song. I had a buddy send me the one with Jacob Collier on it. Oh, cool. He only has like a, a little, little piece. Well, he's probably all over it, but I heard it in the car and, at least vocally he's the most prominent at the very end and uh he has yeah has some pretty cool lines and his his vocals sound pretty awesome and he's a he's crazy with the on the production side of things so it it sounds super crazy
0: there's a song produced by and featuring john mayer on the guitar and so yeah i tried really hard not to like it the most because I have insane John Mayer bias because he's one of my heroes. But man, it's so good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I've been watching good omens. I don't know if good omens is, is good
1: yeah like i I do feel getting thrown into it you might find it a a little disorienting or just a little like quirky and weird but
0: i love me some quirk yeah
1: but i had read the book beforehand so there's just things that make me happy as i'm
0: watching and seeing it represented on the screen so i have the subscription to masterclass Mm -hmm. and neil gaiman the writer of of that book and the series has a masterclass on storytelling and i'm in the middle of it and it's great but I haven't read enough of his uh his work well that that one is a little yeah that one's
1: unique because it has Terry Pratchett as a co-writer on that and there so you get a lot of his humor as well and so world building from both of them and then I guess I kind of prefer the Terry Pratchett's humor so it's cool to see them blend that way I guess I don't know if Neil has too much humor in his other books I've read a couple of them, and
0: some they just seem pretty. In, most of them are pretty intense. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my my new library card, Ooh. which again, another suggestion of yours. Yeah, dude, just such an underutilized thing. I
1: I always a part of me doesn't like. I want my books to still be available there, but so I don't tell too many people. <laughs> Just the right amount and and the right people, you know?
0: Well, I mean, we're talking about the Before Sunrise trilogy today. Yeah. I've had these movies, the Criterion DVDs, on loan from the library for about eight weeks. And it just renews every week automatically if nobody else wants it. Yep, And that's not a cheap item there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's an expensive thing and just... You know? Yeah, it's great. Get it. Came with the, the you know, movies, the, all the special features, the booklet. Yeah. I read that this morning. Great. So I'm ready, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it if you're ready then.
1: Is it easy to keep so quiet?
0: Everybody loves quiet child underwater on the street. Let's start with the album by the national and the short film called I'm Easy to Find. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a diehard national fan by any means. I've listened to their music previously, yeah. and I liked it fine, but it just it's one of those things that I, I kind of missed, I would say. You, on the other hand, identify as a national fan for yeah. sure, and it was your suggestion that we talk about this today. So tell me a little bit about maybe your history as a fan of that band and why you wanted to talk about this, this album and film.
1: I guess a lot of why they're special to me would be in high school. It was just one of the... The early bands that kind of changed the way I listened, yeah, or just experienced music and was into them with like a, a couple of friends and we would always listen to them. So like Boxer I was into, but I think the one that like really hooked me in and, and it was just a an age thing and when it came out in, late in high school for me uh, was High Violet. And I remember listening to that like in my room and I just, I have a vivid image of like being in bed listening to that all the time. But I think this is pretty different than those. And then also having the the film along with it, it's something, like, I think really unique and would be cool to talk about. So I thought we didn't include it.
0: Yeah. How would you describe to someone like me what that band is or, like, what they sound like? Or, how, you know, do, is there is there an elevator pitch for, for the National?
1: I would imagine it comes across as moody and (laughs) in parts i think an instantly recognizable thing is the drums in a lot of these songs and particularly in the boxer and and high violet i i hear things in those that are instantly recognizable to me and one is like matt's voice you know he's got that baritone and it can be kind of harsh at times and sultry in others and I feel like they could come across as maybe like sad music to some people I'm
0: okay I'm <laughs> totally fine describing it that way because I love sad music, yeah no so. for
1: sure but like it's hard. It's funny because there's still, you have like the drums, for example, don't sound sad. A lot of the lyrical content, I think, is and Matt's vocals and stuff. And some of the guitar work in the background kind of makes for a more moody atmosphere. Their lyrics have, have always uh, piqued
0: my interest as well. And
1: sometimes they're less easy to understand than this. And I think also this is
0: nice to have the visuals along with this kind of makes it pretty easy to connect with. I Am Easy to Find is a film by Mike Mills, and it was written in tandem with the album by the same name by The National. It stars Alicia Vikander and tells kind of an abstract story about a person's life from birth to death, all in this span of about 24 minutes. So we follow Vikander as she is born, experiences early childhood, learns what the world is. She grows into a teenager. She fights with her parents. She has weird, insignificant thoughts, you know, kind of big and small, right? Yeah. The whole thing is scored. By select songs from the album, I am easy to find. And it's ninety five percent of the sound you hear. There is a little bit of live, yeah, you know, some recorded sound from the from characters, the filming, and the yeah. characters.
1: And also, what I thought was really cool was that they're not directly the songs from. I mean, some of it is, but from the album, so they have you know rearranged a little bit or have vocals on a part of a song that aren't on the album. So it does sound different in parts than than the album does. And I know that was intentional. It was
0: right, pretty cool, yeah. One thing I thought was interesting was Mike Mills was talking on the director's commentary about how he was writing this and storyboarding it at the same time that they were writing and recording the album. And so he would send storyboard ideas of shots that had subtitles under them. And I guess I should mention that the film is kind of told in this way of you're watching Alicia Vikander live her life with basically captions of little... Moments, right? Thoughts she has, or things like it could say something as kind of simple as her father's voice, right? Or her mother tells a story, or she wonders if she's interesting. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's existential thoughts and questions. Or, or just like the setting of the scene right. or an event, right? And, and I think it's really beautiful the way that that he kind of weaves together these giant life moments with these tiny insignificant life moments and it feels like a complete life. They were essentially influencing each other in the writing of the film and the writing of the album. So the song Dust Swirls in Strange Light was actually written after he sent them like a storyboard of here's a couple of, of captions that I'd use under these things and they put them in a song. So I think it's really cool. I, I don't know that I, I've heard of two pieces of working in tandem like this that are affecting each other in this way. Yeah, that yeah. Makes I
1: know. I think it is is really unique. And that's why I particularly with this project, they're inextricably linked. Like you want to definitely experience both of them before you have some thought on whether you liked it or not because i think a lot of what happens visually can influence uh, how you feel in different parts of the
0: album so i really like the album i yeah. really love the short film yeah yeah, yeah. and so most of because my it's shorter nick <laughs> <laughs> that is <laughs> There, I have a note that, that <laughs> mentions that. Yeah, so so most of my thoughts are are kind of around the short film. Do you have anything that you'd want to say about... I Because I know you've... I've listened to the album independently, but I think you've spent more time with it than I have and have more history with the band.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there's definitely elements from their previous work in this, but it's a little bit of a departure, and I think it there's parts of it where it feels like maybe it's being a little bit more exploratory or meandering a bit that makes more sense in the context of a life because a lot of their songs on previous albums have been pretty tight, I guess. And on the last couple albums there's been, you know, songs that are closer to some of these, but I just, I'm thinking of parts where, you know, there's no vocals and there's just kind of, it just kind of just sounds like exploration or discovery or something that I visualize parts of Alicia's character when I'm in those moments in the album, I think they make more sense to me with connecting the two right kind of a reference point yeah and I think it started out really strong and there's several standout tracks to me I love I Am Easy to Find I love and it comes up uh, multiple times in the the film in
0: the sunlight in the middle of the street
1: That's just such a beautiful track with some really great lyrics. And some of these tracks are structured to where, you know, the first part feels more like a structured song. And then there's kind of just like a a part where, you know, there's some lyrics being sung at the end of a a track that feel more like kind of like setting a scene or something. I don't know. Yeah. So for that track that uh, there's a million little battles that I'm never going to win. Anyway, I'm still waiting for you every night with ticker Tape. There's a million little battles that I'm never gonna win anyway I'm
0: still waiting for you every night with take a
1: take. The way he's talking about, take there's moments that were that are going to continuously happen and I'm never going to win them. <laughs> but coming back home and still having some feeling of celebration, just of experiencing something with someone else is like... Is pretty awesome to me.
0: One of the themes of this film and the album is this this idea of the cycles of life, right? There's so many kind of plot points in the short film that are recurring motifs or recurring events within this woman's life. And it kind of connects with the Before Sunrise trilogy that we'll talk in a little bit. Just that stanza that you read is a great example of that.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, just another thing is just the recognizable national drums that I talked about before. You still get moments on like Where Is Her Head, uh, where it's just these really intricate, instantly recognizable drums that is one of the reasons I love the band.
0: I loved the drums on this album. I'm glad you're I'm glad that that's a recognizable part of their music cuz it's it was a standout for me as a new listener. Yeah. So,
1: and then the uh we this is huge and we haven't touched on it yet, but the introduction of a bunch of female voices on this that has not been on their other albums. I think it adds a unique element and definitely changes the dynamic of the album because Matt's lyrics. I don't know. It's cool to have someone a counterpoint to those thoughts. Sometimes it's a counterpoint. Sometimes it's just them singing the same thing. I think it adds
0: a really cool dynamic to the album. At some points, it adds somewhat of a youthful energy because yeah. his voice is so deep. He sounds like a grown ass man. Yeah, you know. Well, then also like on the
1: the song that you uh, that we were talking about, the dust swirls and strange light. Yeah. That one has a Brooklyn Youth Chorus on it, so yeah, so that obviously adds some a youthful element to that. But other just standout tracks, Rylan and I think the closing track, Light Years, is just a perfect closer. And I would always be Light years, light years away from you Light years, light years away
0: as I was listening today, we we both mentioned that the album's kind of long. Yeah. And I kept thinking, this has got to be the last track. Yeah. Because this is a great ending track right, for an right. album. You know, like, yeah. it's, so it's funny that, and I agree about Light Years also. Like, I think it's a yeah. really good finishing track.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting that they, they released this as a single beforehand, and I kind of wish I didn't hear it before.
0: But yeah, I always think it's interesting when people release the last song as a, as a single too. Right. Well, let's talk about maybe some of the plot points of the short film. So we're following this character played by Alicia Vikander through her entire life. Right. So when she's born, she looks like modern-day Alicia Vikander. They don't do any makeup. There's no—it's There's. It's not like a young kid playing a young version of her that eventually grows into that actress. She just rolls over. We recognize that's Alicia Vikander, and then we see a subtitle or a caption that says, she is born, and we've begun. Right. It's very cool to watch her kind of embody. You literally watch her grow. Right. I mean, not I guess not literally. You watch her grow in character, even though beginning to end of this film, she looks the exact same. When As she grows older, they don't do old age makeup. They don't right. do prosthetics. Right. They don't cast an old woman as old her. Yeah, her clothing's a bit different throughout. Right. But it's really interesting... Throughout the whole film, the moments they choose to highlight, right? The first few are she is born. I think it's her mother's touch and her father's Mm, voice voice or something, you know, and you start with these things that sensory things that as we're infants, we're not even really recognized or not intellectualizing them.
1: Right, right. Uh, One thing, yeah, just during that time period um, of just her younger years, I thought she just did that beautifully, like her physicality and all of that. Um, just even if you watch her hands or her posture, or what she's doing with her limbs, like all of that, uh, signifies youth and like trying to discover your, your body sort of thing. It's a, just think she does a, a really great job. She was in the, the Royal ballet of Sweden. I mean, she, I know she's a ballet dancer. Yes. You can tell that the the physicality I think comes a lot from her body control within within ballet and stuff it's it's cool to watch and cool to watch those kind of like uh, they do mention her like dancing as a part of this as well yeah this film so. and so uh, it's
0: cool they included that too you and i have talked a lot about uh the films we like right. and so at first i'm like all right is this going to be a little too artsy fartsy is it going to be a little pretentious because it could definitely I think there's a lot of potential for it to lean that way. I don't think it ever does. I think it's beautiful, and I really enjoyed this film. I can tell you the moment that I bought in. <laughs> and it's pretty early. Tell me. Um, so the film is in black and white. We see all these scenes of this person's life, but every so often they have these, the screen just flashes, maybe not flashes, there's just a big color, a big mm-hmm. wave of color, and it's like the screen is just red for 10 seconds, and yeah. sometimes there is text on the screen with it. Right. As... Super striking, just be, yeah, because it's in black and white, and then all of a sudden you're, this really vibrant color comes yeah, out. Yeah, and I thought that was great. I really enjoyed that element of it. It may not have been the first time this happened in the film, but the first one that really struck me, I think it was yellow. can't remember the exact color, but the text underneath said, her house felt big, small, scary, nice. Yeah. And I thought that was really striking language, and I thought it was really beautiful because I thought about my childhood home that is exactly how I felt about my house growing up, but I never knew it. And I, I've never, you know, like I haven't I'm, thought of, I never thought about it in those terms, Yeah. but man, that's, that's was such a true. And I think for the most part, cause when you're a little kid, everything's really big, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you know, no matter, I, I think if you're in a house, I think no matter how big, big or small the house is, it's going to feel big to a certain like a, a toddler right and but at the same time it could feel very small and intimate right your room is your room or your you know with, you're with your family it 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 can feel like it's your little world correct but it can also be scary and it's also nice, also nice. I, but it, it, it <laughs> i just thought it was really beautiful language yeah and that was like all right i'm i'm all in on this yeah no <laughs> I, first couple of minutes i felt the
1: same way i do feel like it's a unique uh Tool that they use throughout the film. The text on the bottom doesn't always, it's not always that abstract, right? It can be an event or it can be an action, but they all seem to be some sort of like discovery or shift in thinking or like awakening, putting you into a different mindset before that, the next part. Uh, the next scene. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was a really cool, cool way to do that. Yeah.
0: One example of a very literal caption is, and it's another one that's early on, is her parents argue about the same things. Mm -hmm. Another, I think, pretty universal motif. And what I think is great about it is later as she grows up, the same title comes up, her and her husband fight about the same things. And it goes back to the cyclical nature of life Absolutely. Another thing I liked a lot, you get these uh, kind of portraits of the people in her life. The first ones, I think, are her parents, right? Her mom, when they say her mother's touch, or her dad, when you uh, they say her father's voice. But there's also these, some of them are very significant. Some of them, in the grand scheme of an en- entire life, are somewhat insignificant. But I think it's really interesting the ones they chose to include. Some that I remember are her first friend. And you get this shot of someone literally just standing there talking about abstract, looking into the camera. Uh, Often they're on a soundstage or sometimes they're in a... By a tree or something. Yeah, like in a (laughs) real world environment. But so these portraits of people, like her first friend, uh, one is the girl she wants to be like. Mm -hmm. One is a girl hit by a car. A lot of them are girls. Some of them are guys, especially when she's young. I think they are people she's comparing herself to, right? Mm-hmm. The girl who made her feel dumb. I really love the way that they included these. They shot, It's sometimes they're, they're pushing in on this character, but it's literally them just standing there, looking straight into the camera, kind of looming large. And it's really this interesting idea of how these people, although the girl hit by a car, is somewhat insignificant to maybe this woman's entire life story. Right, this yeah. person that was hit by a car when she was in her third grade class, but something that at the time probably loomed very large, and in your memory, it's it's just crazy how these people are so meaningful yet also somewhat forgettable. It's just a, a really interesting look at our memories of people and uh, events. I agree.
1: I think that it was really cool. Yeah, the way they framed a lot of those things, like occasionally, like you said, they would be just kind of center of the frame like them thinking of that person and and then also next would be uh her mom like dancing in a room or something like much more kinetic and just the way we think of things and interact with those
0: memories at a later point in life too is kind of kind of like that i feel like depending on how you look at this film i think that it could be looked at as a meditation on memory Right. If you look at all of this rather than we're experiencing it in real time, what if this is all someone just remembering their entire life? And it's the idea of you kind of get these flashes, right? These flashes of your mother dancing in the kitchen or the girl that made you feel dumb or, you know, especially anything you have a strong emotional connection to. Right. And I think that that's something that this film has in common with the other films we're going to talk about today. Okay. something I love Mm -hmm. is these giant life events. Followed by very insignificant either events or thoughts. Yeah. One that I want to highlight is so as she she grows up, she fights with her mom a lot. They don't they don't highlight it a ton, but you get that sense as as she grows older. And then once she's a full grown adult, probably in middle age, it doesn't really it, they don't really attach numbers to her age. Right. But when her mother dies. There's this beautiful shot. She's at work. Mm-hmm. She's in a cubicle. She gets a phone call. And then she's she's standing there in her cubicle, like bawling, crying. And then there's her mother trying to console her. And it was uh, gut-wrenching for me. And then the very immediate next shot is one of those big screens full of color. right? And it says, new television shows. And then it says the thought of there being more clouds when she was younger. And I really think it's uh, beautiful the way that this film kind of interweaves these devastating monumental life events with these mundane and insignificant thoughts and events. It just really gives you the sense that this is a complete life. It's a tapestry. Mm -hmm. It just feels so full. Yeah, for being short. 24 minutes, you know, so that was... One of the moments that gave me happy tears. <laughs> I was gonna save all those, but I, I, no, that I'm, that was a good way. To- <laughs> <laughs> Another one I really liked: a sudden new feeling about music, and this comes when she's an old woman. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I and she's just like kind of laying on the on the ground and just like kind of fluttering her fingers and yeah, the, the appreciation of an ever-evolving, you know, person. Right. Little discoveries along the way. That is super cool, and the way yeah the way you interact with whether it's an an art form
1: or just like a shift and a relationship with the a friend or you know all of those things we don't necessarily think about the moment that they happen, but on screen it you're like oh those moments do happen in my life, and I you know, should try to recognize and cherish those more probably.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I I keep talking about cycles because it's so prevalent in in this. And I think there is kind of a, uh, a sense that we as people need to appreciate. You know, I think we see her wishing she would appreciate these things more. And especially if you think about this in terms of somebody who's just going through her memory, recalling all of this, I'm sure a lot of it would be with regret of how she either handled something or didn't appreciate kind of what you were just saying. Just, I, I made a list of a bunch of the cycles that happen. I just want to go through because yeah. I, I just thought it was really interesting the, the way a lot of these uh, came about. Uh, one of them I've already mentioned, the parents that argue the same things. And as she gets older, she does the same thing with her husband. Another thing I've already mentioned, the big, small, scary, nice of her home as a child, that comes up later twice at different stages of... And it's not about a house. It's just about her as a human. She calls her dad on Sundays when she gets older. She talks to her son on Sundays. We open the film when she's born. I don't know if you if you noticed this. You hear the sound of children playing outside. And at the end just before she's gonna die you hear the sound of playing outside so that's cyclical in that these two events happen but it also just speaks to the the cyclical nature of the human race that as as some of us are born some of us die and as those people are dying you can hear the youth that are still out there we are a cyclical yeah uh existence the human race it's just really cool what did you think of the casting of Alicia Vikander?
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I mean, we have already talked about some of the reasons why I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I think the casting of having someone that already looks youthful. Obviously, she's a beautiful person and you're watching her move in ways like when she's younger that are just so like I'm visualizing her as a as a kid and have like just seeing her in a different Way as I would like a child, (laughs) right? The way she's moving, the uh, the little like the ways her eyes move, or there's like a a moment of wonder, and then it goes on to like the object in front of her or something. It's like uh, it's really beautiful. I think it it mirrors what the cycles of a kid's brain like where they're yeah, it's like oh, I'm I'm on to a sense of uh discovery of what this seems like a new space to me, and then it's like oh, I'm. I'm holding on to this, um, these monkey bars in front of me or, so, you know, like, or she's on the floor a lot too, uh, towards the beginning. And it just reminds me how you're obviously closer to the floor at a younger age, but you spend so much time just like so grounded and like close to the ground. But yeah, I, I do think that was a great casting. Cause she's this, like, she's a smaller person and she already has a lot of those youthful features, but also. A lot of that is just like the really small, small details that are like essential in dance and the way you're, uh, how you're really connected with your body in that art form. And I mean, there's, you know, great physical actors too, but I think that's a really cool crossover between the physical acting and, and dancing that is super effective in her, uh, character. Yeah.
0: It was an interesting choice to cast somebody who is her age of 30. Yeah. Aside from her own skills as an actress. I've got a theory about how, you know, as we get older, I know when I think of myself as a toddler or being young, I can't, I have trouble picturing myself as a kid. I kind of take my current mental image of myself and kind of project it backward. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's kind of maybe what they were doing here with again if this uh this whole film is a memory or somebody that's recalling their life they got a visual sense of themselves that probably stuck at 30 and this is kind of a theory because i'm i'm i will turn 30 in a couple months but i imagine that people kind of have a self image that might be a little different than what is accurate to mm-hmm. everyday maybe maybe not but what if this is a person that's recalling their life and their mental self image is the person that they were at 30 and they're just recalling and sort of projecting that version of themselves into their entire life. Cause that's how they see themselves.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to visualize myself when I'm younger and I'm, <laughs> I mean like it's, it's easier for us now that we have uh, like just plenty of video of that or whatever. Right. And there's photos all over the internet yeah, or, yeah. you know, whatever. um, so we encounter that, version of ourselves a lot more but besides that yeah I I almost don't even see you know I it's more of like seeing your surroundings and not yourself in them sort of thing I don't know and then I feel like most of the ones that I that I can visualize myself being younger it's just it's from a
0: from a video moment there may be something to it yeah maybe maybe <laughs> man so we're calling this happy tears yeah did you did this uh bring you to tears at any at any moment i feel like i connected on a, an emotional level for a majority of the
1: whole thing so i'm trying to think of particular moments of course the the mother dying thing was a a sad part but not a happy tears part at the beginning when she's the whole the dancing thing when she's starting like dancing in a room mm, yeah uh just like the look on her face when she's
0: doing that is is beautiful i think so i had a moment there to your point of happy tears versus sad tears yeah i'm just gonna count any tears any, yeah any tears brought count. on by art is fair, happy in fair a way game for the tears yeah. yeah i get it i
1: was looking at the same way like either either tears i think it's a beautiful moment of connection with whatever
0: art form you're interacting with so i i would agree with you on that so i cried several times <laughs> so and it's funny because i cried at different times different times different that different i times watched you watch it, it. Yeah, that's, yeah which is i don't know really cool i think i hope so yeah, <laughs> The first time that I watched it, the screen fills with the color red. Yeah. Very vibrant, bright red. And the subtitle is Watching Wars on Television. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, kind of like the big, small, scary, nice yeah. thing that it's just like I'd never thought about it in these terms of really, it was kind of devastating how that's kind of the American experience Since what, Vietnam, maybe like the idea of unless you're a soldier and you're in these wars, Mm -hmm. you're seeing footage of it on television. And that's something that's been that's just kind of a norm. And we've been at war (laughs) pretty constantly for, you know, Mm -hmm. what, 40 years off and on Mm -hmm. with with the Middle East or or Vietnam or wherever. But I saw that and I just I just, just wept. That was the first one. I can't remember if I actually cried at this, but it it struck me very deeply, so I wouldn't be surprised if I did. (laughs) It was a shot of her and her husband together, and it just said her husband is different than she thought. And that really yeah. got me. Um, it's kind of a huge fear I have <laughs> in, <laughs> in that I'm, you know, I'm in a long-term relationship with someone I love very much. And the idea of of what if one day I'm just different or she's just different or, or something's yeah. different, you know, um, it was, it was, it's something I think about a lot. One of those existential <laughs> things that just like, and, and, th- and that further fuels my issues with the institution of marriage but that's a that's totally different thing (laughs) and it's quick it's a quick like on and off it's there and the screen yeah when her mother dies when we watched this today just before we turn the mics on yep um uh i don't know if you noticed but i was crying during that part (laughs) i didn't notice but i didn't look over i was too scared
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to get tears because you have tears that's not that's not right. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be, it's got to be it's legit. It's got to be <laughs> legit ones for sure.
0: The last one I have was, again, today we watched it when the husband dies and the, the subtitle is She Promised Her Husband He Would Die at Home. Mm-hmm. That got me. First couple times it didn't, though. This time it did. I don't know. But all in all, I really, really enjoyed this. And I, you know, it's it's not something that I think maybe I would have been able to enjoy mm-hmm. in previous years. And maybe only recently have I been expanding my palette. And I just thought it was a really beautiful look at life and, and surprisingly full for how short it was.
1: I would totally agree. And I think that the use of black and white is just was super effective, mm-hmm. not, not only for the the color moments but it's just a, it's a beautiful shot film too and it's such a cool collaboration i hope more things like this happen where directors collaborating with a band to try to make something happen together and i think on its own the, the album is interesting but when paired i think yeah it's just it really shines
0: i agree and i think that we're probably gonna have a lot more conversations kind of like this i mean we, yeah. we're already planning on talking about Some of the things Beyonce's done in the last couple of years, Childish Gambino, and we haven't talked about this much, but talking about collaborating with directors, Tom York just dropped an album along with a short film with PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson. So, Yeah, I'm excited.
1: That's another thing. I haven't got to that yet, and I'm super looking forward to it. I'm a
0: big Radiohead boy over here. I know that, and (laughs) you also know that I've never listened to anything but Creep. (laughs) But I plan to do that. Yeah, that's what this podcast is do for, buddy. Yeah. I mean, the the video you sent me that tells why OK Computer is groundbreaking and cool yeah. sold me. So, cool. As, as if, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what they Don't were waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch the videos. <laughs> The short film, I'm Easy to Find, is on YouTube. Yeah. The album is streamable on pretty much all oh, music platforms, platforms. Yeah. So highly recommended, I think, by both of us to check out.
1: Definitely both uh, close together.
0: Yeah. For, for sure. sure. I
1: am easy to find. All right. I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just... Uh, you know, it's gonna haunt me the rest of my life. What? Um, I wanna keep talking to you, you know? I have no idea what your situation is, but, uh, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right?
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah,
1: right, well, great. So listen, here's the deal, this is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. What? Come on, it'll be
0: fun. So like I Am Easy to Find, another work of art that's very concerned with the idea of time is Richard Linklater's Before Trilogy. So in 1995's Before Sunrise, 23-year-old Celine and Jesse, played by Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke respectively, meet and spend a magical dreamlike evening together in Vienna. And at the end of the film, vow to meet each other at the exact same spot six months later. The next film, Before Sunset, catches up with them nine years later when they meet again, seemingly by accident, in Paris. And the final film, Before Midnight, takes place nine years after that, where they are now in their 40s living together in Paris with two daughters. I guess we should say there are spoilers. (laughs) There are spoilers ahead. The first film came out in 1995. The second was 2004, and then the final film, that was in 2013. The films are uh, kind of a meditation on time, change, growth, stagnance, and they're kind of a wholly unique trilogy in the world of film, much like Linklater's Boyhood, which was a film shot over 12 years in real time. No one's ever really done anything like this, where over the course of 20 years, shot three movies... That are set in real time that are direct sequels about two people
1: yeah no i think he definitely he loves to experiment with the uh medium these are really interesting takes on
0: the art form i feel like so i watched these about a month ago for the first time and then again in the last week basically and man they are lovely oh i can't agree more (laughs) (laughs) so but i'm but i'm pretty new to this story you on the other hand have spent more time with them. They've been in your brain longer. Yeah. The, well,
1: yeah, I did a recent uh, rewatch of all three, but my the way I started with these was I was over at my girlfriend Gina's place. Yeah, either junior year of high school or senior year of high school. And we were just wanting to watch a movie with friends. And it's like, oh, this one's rated well. And so I started with Before Sunset, not realizing it was a sequel. A little bit later, went back to Before Sunrise and then watch them both like that and was still uh, waiting for that last one. But yeah, it was kind of a, a weird way to get introduced to the,
0: the trilogy and kind of work my way back from the beginning. But These are essentially films, for the most part, that are just two people talking. Yeah. You know, if you pitch that to me as a film, my first my, my skepticism is, well, that's going to get boring or that's going to get old. Right. One thing that's just so great about these films is they do keep you engaged the things that they're talking about are interesting either small little things about life or these kind of larger existential questions you're watching two people fall in love or you're hoping that they might still be in love right or you know you're you're watching a romance at many different stages albeit a somewhat unusual romance in, in the way that their story kind of unfolds right it's just so great the way it is just two people talking and keeps you engaged and i i was all in yeah pretty much the whole way through
1: well one is the way they set it up right they start from kind of different points of view and then when the characters come together you're in from that moment like you know they, there's going to be some sort of excitement ahead but i do think they keep you engaged through the whole starting with before sunrise and i think a lot of that is like well one it's in a like a pretty place that and it's always exciting like the discovery part of that but i think just a camera following giving both of them kind of equal amount of time. And there's no like focus on one character. You're seeing both of them at the same time, just walking towards uh, the camera. And there's not a bunch of uh, over the shoulder shots going back and forth. I think you keep interest by just keeping both of them in the frame, seeing both of them react
0: to each other at all times, I think is what uh, is super engaging about it. I want to talk a little bit about depending on how old you are, might inform how you look at any one of these movies or how much you like a certain one. But aside from you as a viewer, I think that each one of these movies, I think, is a really, really great kind of snapshot of what it's like to be the age that these characters are. So in Before Sunrise, these two people are 23 years old. They meet someone on the train, and the whole film is this kind of magical hazy dreamlike adventure mm-hmm. right and i think that's really indicative of what it's like to be in your early 20s right you're still the whole world is just still full of possibilities when you're 23 right if anything it's like cool i've, I've made it through school or i'm almost done and i'm gonna go take the rest of my life next yeah, right yeah. and it is kind of like a dream i see it in kind of a nostalgic Like the next film, they're in their early thirties and you can definitely tell with Celine and Jesse, but I mean, she is so cynical compared to her character in the previous film. It's interesting just how they've changed in nine years, right? He's got a wife and a kid. She's had romantic troubles and talks about that. And there's a a huge air of cynicism. It seems like the seeds of regret are starting to be kind of planted, right? Like the idea of, I wish a couple of these things maybe broke my way a little differently. Although they're still ambitious and they're still trying to move forward, right? He's written a successful book and he's talking about the next one. She's an environmentalist and she's talking about the battles that she's trying to fight and trying to move forward with. The, the way I've, I've written it in my notes is like your 20s are kind of about fantasy. You're kind of fantasizing about what's to come, your future and your, your life. And that's yeah. why the movie is, is a dreamlike, fantastical love story, right? In some ways, your 30s can be about chasing what you want, right? You've gone through your 20s. Maybe you haven't exactly found exactly everything you need, kind of like these two characters. And if nothing else, the ending of, of the second film... He just decides, boom, this is what I want. Yeah. And and he goes after it. He makes it. it, yeah. And then in your 40s, it seems to me that based on watching these films, it seems that your 40s are about compromise. Yeah, just the responsibility of
1: the kids and his kid, yeah. And then the compromise between them of figuring out a way for both of their
0: dreams to stay alive while also caring for people that they're responsible for in addition to the overall theme of just time that I'm easy to find and these films right. share, you also see a lot of cycles yeah. in the Before trilogy. Lots of cycles. Lots of cycles. I mean, starting right right at the top, I guess you don't know until you've watched all three. Right. But the movies start with a couple arguing on a train, which prompts her to move seats and then basically the whole, thir- well, the second half of the third film is one giant argument, right? Yeah. They've kind of become that couple on the train. Yeah. This, the cycle of life that, you know, you're, you start young and carefree and then you get old and you've got all this baggage.
1: Yeah, I, but I do think that both are, I don't know, both are important and beautiful parts of a relationship. They're just quite different. Like watching them in that first film kind of talk about the the couple and having already seen before midnight when i just rewatched before sunrise again of like what before midnight Jesse and Celine would think about before sunrise Jesse and Celine right you know in that on the train when they first met talking about uh the couple and arguing so it's like do you think what do you think they would they would look back and like laugh at how uh uh
0: naive lofty,
1: yeah naive and lofty their dream like yeah,
0: a hundred percent. Well, and, and part of I mean, they kind of do in that I know in Before Sunset, mm-hmm. she already is talking about how naive she was in Before Sunrise in the first movie. So I yeah. think if anything, Celine is just getting more and more less romantic and more cynical as yeah. she gets older.
1: And Jesse kind of holds on to the, just the whole playfulness. And I think they both appreciate that about each other a bit. Because like the way the third film ends is another kind of just, it's playful, a playful interaction that tries to spark something again, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the idea of play is huge in these films. Yeah. The playfulness is another kind of cyclical factor within these films. When he is at the in before sunrise at the very beginning, when he's trying to convince her to get off the train with him, he says, Uh, jump ahead. 10, 20 years, okay? And you're married. And
1: only your marriage doesn't have that same energy that it used to have, you know? You start to blame your husband. You start to think about all those guys you've met in your life and what might've happened if you picked up with one of them, right? Well, I'm one of those guys, that's me. You know, so think of this as time travel from then to now.
0: Think of this as time travel, right? <laughs> And so it starts off with they're playing this game, like yeah. Well, the funny
1: thing is, yeah, it ends ends with a time travel thing as exactly. well. Exactly, yeah. that's great. I think they both like even in their arguing, you see the sense of playfulness until it it goes a little too far. But I think it, they both like that about each other, just being able to play that sort of game. Like you see them equally kind of throw things at one another the through the whole series, whether it's in. Like a a positive way or kind of a jabby
0: way. Oh yeah. Richard Linklater said in one of the special features in one of these movies that when they're arguing for most of the time, he looks at them as two kind of master manipulators. Yeah. That are just kind of going to toe to toe with, and they have different strategies in which they are yeah. trying to manipulate the other. Even the way they fight is kind of a game, right? Right. right. Like, like the way. And I do think at points they they both get enjoyment out of it, even if it's oh, their sure yeah. <laughs> These movies are kind of quietly pessimistic in many ways, right? Like they talk about really sad things. Both characters have kind of theories about death or the afterlife or whatever or the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. They talk about that a lot in in sometimes direct and sometimes indirect ways. But the idea of using fantasy or games or playtime as... A reason to get up in the morning or, you know, the, a reason to keep moving forward together. Yeah, they, they
1: I think one interesting thing about the uh, structure of these films is you, you're just kind of like dropped right into this story, like nine years later or whatever. And through that, you start picking up pieces of what's happened in the past nine years. And I think they did a really great job of, cause you're kind of wondering just like they are specifically in before sunset what's been going on with each other and then we're also wondering that and so these little pieces that come through when they reunite it starts off quite awkward and it's pretty fun watching them try to figure out how to interact with each other again oh it's so
0: great yeah it's it's awkward but you've got all of this backstory now right there's there's it's it's so much more electric it's like this static electricity that's just kind of clinging to them right it's so exciting to watch because you know there are blanks to be filled in now right in the first movie it's a blank page of whatever they do is just going to fill this page of of story right in the second one it's like did they meet up oh yeah there's so many Who was there unknowns, yeah what's happened since where have they been what have they been doing so uh man that's, that's yeah that's so what, exciting
1: yeah that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier about how it's kind of masterfully crafted that way and it's cool knowing that that wasn't the uh idea from the conception of this you know it was like this second film came along because they thought it was a good idea to do another one but wasn't in the plans from the beginning so, right so
0: they had to sit they had to just literally sit down and go so where would these people be, yeah. you know, and, and the decisions they made on those plot points, I think, is perfect. Right. I think it's the way they've characterized these two people. I can't think of another place where they, like, they put them where they should have been at every point in the road, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think the writing is is spectacular, especially on, uh, in all three, but especially that second one, because I think that was the tallest order of following up a Magical, yeah. First film, agreed. You know how I was talking about how, if you look at I'm Easy to Find from the perspective of somebody recalling their memories yeah. of their life, they talk about memories a lot in this in these films. Recalling stories from their kids, mm-hmm. they tell a lot of those. They even like talk about the idea of memory. I think in Before Sunset, Jesse even literally says. I guess a memory is never finished as long as you're alive they like talk about these ideas of how your memories kind of change as you change because your perspective you're always looking at them from your perspective yeah. of right Where now you are, yeah but i think this these films equate memories with time travel i think that's something that these films are are kind of alluding to is is time that we are remembering A young version of ourselves we're time traveling in a weird way
1: going back a little bit to just the time periods that they're in in their lives i do think it's interesting that like the third they're doing a lot less like wondering and questioning with each other and things seem more grounded in the reality of what needs to get done like you see in the car ride a lot of their conversation revolves more around pretty concrete things and then also like the future, what they're going to do with their lives together. And a really cool thing that they did was add those, like the big conversation at the table, bringing the the young people into the conversation and having the older perspective as well. Um, and they're kind of caught in the middle of those. I think those people can breathe new life into uh, their current perspective on life and life together.
0: Yeah. I mean, just the benefit of outside perspective from your own, right? right? right. Looking at The young couple in love and older people that are your age. And there was the woman whose husband had died, I believe. And so you got perspective from her. And I think the whole scene ended. I think she had the kind of button on the end of the scene. It was just like... Just like our life. hmm? We appear and we disappear. And we are so important to some. But we are just passing through here flow the happy tears (laughs) i like how jesse's books are called this time and that time yeah it's very much before sunrise before sunset yeah okay so i'm just gonna go in order in chronological order of things that I just loved. The very first was and Before Sunrise. So they've gotten off the the train together. They're walking around uh, Vienna. And they get on that tram or trolley. And that's the first real long take of the series. It's a, kind of a static of the two of them sitting next to each other and asking each other questions and talking. And there's a moment where she kind of looks down and her hair falls in her face. And he, having known her for maybe an hour, like starts to reach to like move the hair out of her face but as she looks up he like pulls back very quickly and I thought it was so beautiful and wonderful the 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 kind of vulnerability of being interested in somebody new and they have this spark but they're not comfortable enough yet and this you know the second he could be caught you know yeah by by her when he's like it's not like him making a move per se but it's you know it, it was just very vulnerable and cute yes
1: I think that's kind of mirrored in the, the taxi ride in the second. Yeah, it so is. As well. Yeah, <laughs>
0: which is I love even more. Yeah, because there's so much more gravity behind it. Yeah, and it's great because he—it's not a hair thing. It's she's upset, and he tries to reach out to, to like console her, and pulls back, and it's kind of heartbreaking especially because like 30 seconds later she does it to him and that's what i i I wrote it in my notes as i was watching it was like oh he he reached out but pulled back it was oh it tore me up and then in all caps i wrote and then she does it (laughs) oh yeah it got me so beautiful and heartbreaking and that's all you want watching that second film the whole time is for them you know you just want them to be in love yeah and you know that clearly he is because a first of all he wrote that book Mm -hmm. and he's there and one thing i i love in that movie is ethan Hawke's face because he cannot stop staring at her and smiling and just like he is so happy to be in her presence and it's beautiful yeah you're saying before sunset right yeah yes the whole second film from the second she walks in to that bookstore anytime there's a lull in conversation all he does is look over her and smile like he's the happiest man in the world it's great it is
1: i would say that from before sunrise even just the train just starting on the train and like getting these people who she's like looking out of the uh out of the landscape and stuff and she you could tell there's like a a dreamer quality already to that and i and i think of that as like yeah there's a time when i've was in europe writing cross-country and there's that like kind of physical representation of time passing being on a train and just looking out and thinking about things that just made me super emotional from the the get-go but a scene that was super playful and I really loved and had a hard time wiping the smile off was the uh, the booth scene when they're acting
0: like they're on it's my favorite. It's yeah. my favorite thing of all of On these the films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I cry every time. <laughs> yeah. I think it's. Be, I think the Me song too, is beautiful. Yeah. As one looks away, the, yeah, other, the other looks back, just... and they yeah. both know. They they both know. You know, yeah. the game that they're playing a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just like so pure. Really, both booth scenes. I guess because the the one when
1: they're actually like in a restaurant booth talking the doing telephone? the whole t- phone thing. Yeah, I love that too. So it's great
0: another game so the listening booth is is my favorite by far of it's like number one baby also from before sunrise this is less of a monumental moment but it is a beautiful piece of acting that i i really appreciated and i think they're well acted throughout all films i think both of these actors do such a wonderful job there's this moment where they are on i think a boat they're sitting at a table that I believe is on a boat, or maybe a docked boat. But they're talking and they're talking about whether or not they're gonna see each other again, uh, because he's about to fly back to the uh, United States. I got you. And and he says Why do you think everybody thinks relationships are supposed to last forever anyway? Yeah, why? It's stupid. But then her face you can tell I think he's looking away and she's looking at him with these puppy dog eyes, like I'm saying this, but I totally don't believe it. I'm a romantic. <laughs> and her, her face just kills me at yeah. that moment. I think it's a beautiful piece of acting. It's probably second overall after the uh, listening booth scene in Before Sunrise, and Before Sunset, when she hugs him to see if he disappears into a thousand molecules or whatever the oh, line yeah. is, his face, especially because he's been like looking at her and smiling and you know all he wants, especially... Cause it's right after that taxi scene where they both sort of reach out and then pull back. When she fully embraces him, his face is the purest expression of joy <laughs> that I've ever seen. Oh, that's good. It it that kills me each time. I don't think I cried, but it's it's just like my heart soars. Oh yeah,
1: it's so great. I really appreciate them throwing conflict within these two, and especially like clearly in the and before midnight. But having you know it not just be some like dreamy look at. A couple, but in both of the stages, like when she is in the taxi, there's a there's a moment when (laughs) she like kind of blows up and wants to get out. And then they both kind of like pull back into having a normal conversation. Yeah, she says, you come here to Paris, all romantic and married. okay? screw you. Like, she's pissed at it. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved it. They have those those moments in the middle of uh, these
0: other, yeah, a bunch of ups and downs. That taxi scene is really just great, and it kind of comes and goes very quickly, and I don't think it's, I think other moments are more obvious for, for how great they are, right. some of the other things we've talked or about. how lovely they are. <laughs> yeah, they both reflect in that taxi ride about when romance died for them. I mean, it's very dark, and it's it's, when you talk about the first film being cynic- or romantic and this yeah. film being cynical. I mean, that's that's it. She talks about when he got on that plane to Vienna, like part of her romantic side died because they never saw each other again and, and whatever. And I can't remember what his example is, but yeah. that song's so great. I got happy tears during during her song. That's why I said song. Oh, this yeah. Like, yeah, I got happy Man. tears during her song. Um, and-, <laughs> <laughs> and you just look back at his face during it. Wow. Just this, It's that same goofy smile. Yeah. He's just so happy. Yeah, you know there's no way he's leaving that apartment in the next two minutes. Right. Well, and you, you, you realize that the whole film, he was never going to leave Paris. Yeah, he's, oh, he's for sure pushing it back as much as possible. Yeah, Right. I got a little, not the first time I watched it, but the most recent time, I did get a little bit of happy tears on that last line on, I know, the Han Solo moment of Before Sunset. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it may Uh, have been just carried over emotion from her song because I think the song is so good. Uh, Another moment I really, really love from these films is in Before Midnight. And I think a lot of people really like this moment from what I've seen on the internet is as the sun is setting. Still there. Gone. again I think it's another thing that is kind of a thematic way that these films look at the world it's in the same vein of we're all just passing through we're still there we're still there and then one day we're gone yeah when they go to that cemetery you remember that yeah and she finds the one that she liked when she was a kid because she had been there previously and she said now I'm 10 years older and she's still 13 I guess and this is something I think about all of the time, specifically, like my example is that I'm now older than Jimi Hendrix ever was. Yeah, I do think about that too. And uh, I yeah, think yeah. these movies are wonderful at expressing the like kind of random thoughts that we just have, mm-hmm. that everybody has in different ways. When you talk about kind of the small moments, I think this is a great example of like this isn't something that rocks my world every day, but I do think about it a lot. That Jimi Hendrix, who created all this wonderful art that people love. He's one of the most famous guitarists of all time, died at 27, and I'm older now than he ever was.
1: Yeah. It's just crazy. It is crazy. I do appreciate, just on a technical level, how there's not a ton of, like, big overhead establishment shots or anything. Like, you're on the street with them seeing people interact on the side. Um, and come in and out of the frame, but you're yeah, you're seeing these cities from the street view most of the time there's there's not these like aerial shots or anything. and then at the end of the like before sunrise, I love how they have the they show those like all the places where it was
0: them too and they're they're empty now and then in the next film, they open with all the places they're gonna travel the setting it it adds so much to especially the first couple films the dreamlike quality Yeah because of- there's the unknown of the place but
1: there's the and then the unknown of the the relationship as well I think they both add to the whole uh, like sense of wonder and discovery and everything that because I I remember them talking about Richard Linklater was saying that they were initially not going to be shot in Europe and I don't remember if it was like San Antonio. It was some it was a Texas town that it was this story was initially going to take place in But I do think that completely adds adds to the story and stuff having this ha, like having something that's unknown to to Jesse coming in and then experiencing this thing with with Celine but also just like in in a place he's never been before.
0: Are there any other moments that gave you happy tears?
1: <laughs> yeah, like we talked about the the more ensemble table moment when the older lady's talking um and everyone kind of just listens intently like they're kind of joking around through a lot of it and then the importance of that moment is felt um with how everyone's how much attention they're giving her and what she's talking about yeah i'm a sucker for those like like at the end of before midnight just like both of them trying to find a way to just like hold on and and the way in the way that they talk about like How the Rest of the Night Will Unfold kind of ends in in a similar fashion of the second one. It leads up to something like uh, significant, but they're both completely different in how they reach that moment. They both end on pretty
0: great lines of dialogue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think both of the endings also have a similar emotional heft uh, that I responded to.
0: Before Midnight still... Maybe it's because the film itself is, is so real and kind of sad in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it's harder for me to connect with it. I guess it's just the idea that, all right, so they're just... My my, my takeaway that I wrestle with is, so they're just going to play games and goof around and not address their real issues? Like, what's, what's going to happen with... No, I think that they will have
1: to... Address those, and they've addressed them in the past, I think as well i just I feel like like they're not going to figure out that night what's going to happen, but in order to get past both of their like uh this tension they've built up, they're pretty honest with each other in the hotel room about like and the and that sort of argument did bring up things that they probably wouldn't have said when they were just being playful, so I think that there's significance to like reaching a point where things are said and then how you address those things after they're said. And I, just for the night, like they're there, it's like not where they live, right? They're, they're still trying to not ruin the experience of this trip. I don't know. I I feel that after, after this night, they're clearly going to have to make some big decisions, but now that they're both now, both of their actual feelings are out on the table whereas so the argument brought that out whether it's That's fair. it was like it you know it got too heated or not or whatever the case was like i do think that a way that they continue going forward is having these moments where they remember what it's like to be in that playful space i don't know
0: yeah well okay so as i'm thinking about this i maybe the um because he pre- he grabs that napkin and says i have this letter from you from your eight year old self yeah I I guess I could, you could read that as that's in Olive Branch that's that's a form of an apology that, that he'll probably express more fully later but it's it's this idea right of, I just yeah I
1: feel like people have unique ways of working through yeah just working through arguments or working through their feelings that I I feel like these the time travel uh, role playing scenario or whatever is like really it's what they've done since the beginning of their relationship. So when you so when you say that's interesting, I don't necessarily view it as like I don't think that the next day they're gonna brush away their problems, but I think for the setting they were in, they weren't gonna figure it out on that at that table that night. I just thought it was a a beautiful interaction in a way that to end the film and like because you have a sense of wondering what they're gonna do that night and then also wondering how they're going to make it work but that's not the specific yeah that that's not the specific environment that that they're going to figure it out in yeah yeah okay i buy that but yeah i i don't know if that's just a too um uh, optimistic view and just kind of discarding their their issues but i i just see their relationship whether they're 20 years down the line from that point like there's going to be those they are back and forth so much, whether it is a playful back and forth or an argumentative one, that they're, they're all, that's always going to be a part
0: of their characters. So, all of that to say that you probably appreciate the, the ending of the final film more than, more than I do. I'd say that's fair. Or, well, okay, let me say it this way, because I think that the first movie... Before the sequels came out was a good barometer for whether or not you are a romantic or a cynic. Yeah. I think maybe the third movie is just a good barometer for whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. <laughs> yeah, if you think it's gonna Or a romantic gonna or sing make it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, there's an early moment it's in the middle of before sunrise, the first film where the gypsy comes, and Mm -hmm. and she's a palm reader. Yeah. And um, she reads Celine's palm and sort of ignores Jesse, and so they have a fight later. But as she's walking away, she gives this kind of little mini speech. Don't forget. And the stars exploded billion of years ago. They formed everything that is this world. Everything we know is
1: stardust. So don't forget, you are stardust.
0: And A, I think that's a really beautiful image. B, I think it's uh, a great use of scientific fact to turn it into a poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a great metaphor. It's just driving home the point of how everything is so finite, yet also kind of eternal in a weird way. It's just like still here, still here, gone. Through things like memory, people are never really gone in a lot of ways, right? So there's this kind of existential part of, of that idea that everything we know is stardust. It reminds me a lot of the short film, I'm Easy to Find. Early on in that film, there is that shot, dust swirls in strange light. Mm-hmm. Both of these moments are kind of the embodiment of what these things are in that the dust swirling in strange light, that's us. I mean we're just we're just kind of floating around on a rock in space, right? I mean that's if you want to zoom all the way out, all we are is dust swirling in strange light, or everything is stardust. Before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight. Um, they're not streaming anywhere. I had to go to my local library to, uh, to get my hands on them. So I'm Easy to Find is on YouTube. The album's on Spotify and all the other streaming platforms. These films are out in the world and have been for a long time. I think it's something you and I both highly recommend.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll see
0: you on the next one. <laughs> I will see you there or I will see you on another time. Right. Thank you for listening to Happy Tears. Happy Tears is produced by Nick Melita and Brandon Henry. You can find links to everything we talked about today at happytearspod.com. This includes some of the art that we mentioned at the top, like the Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib album or the Daniel Caesar EP, as well as some of the resources that we referenced when researching the main topics of discussion. Like the director's commentary of I'm Easy to Find and other things. You can find us on Instagram at Happy Tears Podcast. Nick is at Melita Graham, and Brandon is at Mr. Brandon Henry. Original theme music by Homage. That's all for this one. Bearway.